Hey everyone, it's Cody again. This is our third episode of our series, Seeing Wonderful Things in the Psalms. And in this episode, we'll be wrapping it up for the Psalms, which is kind of sad, but we'll still be going through scripture. We'll be going through the next book in, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, but this is where the tone, this is kind of a weird point in the book of Psalms. This is where the tone kind of stays the same, but kind of changes. And, and you get to see in book five, how the Psalms end on a really good, hopeful note, uh, which is the life of a Christian that, uh, that in eternity, even if life doesn't always go our way, uh, our ending or, 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 uh, the way that we phase out of this life uh, is actually pretty hopeful and will be filled with eternal joy. And you're going to get to experience that uh, towards the end of this podcast. And um, I, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you've been enjoying uh, this series. The Psalms are just wonderful. They describe ev- this, the entire range of human emotion. Uh, there is not anything that you've ever felt that is not expressed in the Psalms. And so uh, thank you again for listening uh, to us and, and just kind of going along in this journey with us. And so I pray this series is helpful for you. And uh, yeah, let's dig in. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> If you're listening, you're like, what in the world is Cody laughing at? It's because <laughs> when I sent Mirren the link, it'll pop up and it'll say who I'm sharing this episode with. And this one popped up and said Trevor. <laughs> I'm like, who is Trevor? Like, what in the world? Oh, that was funny. You know what I was thinking about as I was waiting for you to get on? I was thinking about this one time we had some kind of uh, it was when the interns were there, were there one summer when I was helping you guys uh, with uh-huh. the internship. And I guess we were playing this game. You had to play it in the dark. I can't remember what it was, but you're like, Cody, you playing? I was like, I really don't feel like it. Like, it's been a long day. You're like, okay, but are you going to just stay here and hang out? I was like, yeah. So, like, I was on the couch, <laughs> like, at your couch. At, and there's, like, 20 people in the room. And I'm just sitting there, like, reading my Kindle in the dark. <laughs> Or whatever. You're probably playing murder in the dark or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And people were like trampling me the whole time. (laughs) And you're like, this is why you're supposed to play. I was like, I just want to read and lay down. The thing about you, Cody, is you're like this weird mix of like, you like to do your own thing, but in a group. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's like you'll come to the party, but you will not, you will be having the night you would have had at home, but at the party. <laughs> like if you had in your head that you were going to be reading this book or watching this show or playing this game, you will still do that. You will just do it in a different location. <laughs> that is so true. I'm like, I don't want to partake in what you guys are doing, <laughs> but I do require your presence. Yes. That is hilarious. Ah, well, and so this uh, in this episode um, of kind of our three part series on the Psalms will be in the the book four of the Psalms and book five. And um, I just want to say, Miriam, so far I've been loving this series and just uh, your wisdom on these Psalms. If you don't know, Miriam has actually written pretty uh, extensively and taught um, on the Psalms quite a bit. 
And so if you're like, how does she know all these things? <laughs> well, she does have a master's from St. Andrews, but she also uh, teach has taught on these things pretty extensively. You so. know, the Psalms, like I kind of, as a young, young twenties had the chance to start teaching this, this little Bible study. And I don't know what possessed me to be like, I'll teach through all the Psalms. <laughs> I guess I had a lot of faith that these people were going to stick around and listen to me for like a really long time. Um, but I, I think actually when I first started, I skipped a few because I'd be like, that one's really confusing. <laughs> I'd just be like, we're on to, on to the next song. But uh, eventually I went back and tried to, to, to hit all the ones that I skipped in those early days because I just grew me so much through studying the Psalms. And even the ones that mm -hmm. I didn't understand on the first pass through, um, mm -hmm. man, it just formed me to be in the Psalms every week. Really, for, for probably most of my 20s, I taught mm. on the Psalms like um, all through the school year. And um, I actually think I started back at one point and started going through them a second time. And hmm. um, man, I just, there would be weeks that I would be struggling so much. And I'd think there's no way I can teach this Thursday night. And then I'd open the Psalm and it would always just minister to me so hmm. much. It was like, God like held me up through the Psalms, like, week mm. after week after week. So I just, I love getting to talk mm -hmm. about them and, and inviting people to, to really study them with other people too. Like, I think a lot of times we think about the Psalms like really individualistically, but they are meant to be read and sung and prayed together. And so mm -hmm. the more we can kind of collectively come to the Psalms, the, the closer we get at what they're really supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And before we get into, uh, we're going to be in so many seven years a moment before we do, I just saw something that I, I just overlooked hmm. um, in Psalm 96 that, that I, I wanted to kind of let our uh, listeners uh, just remember that one of the things that the Psalms do is they personify, hmm. uh, they, they use personification, right? And, and yep. one of the things in Psalm 96 that I love, it talks about singing to the Lord and it says like all of creation will sing to the Lord, mm -hmm. right? It says, let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything. And like, how are the fields celebrated? Mm -hmm. You know, like it says, let all of the trees of the forest shout for joy. And mm -hmm. I love that because what one of the things the psalmists are saying is that there are things that creation sees about God that we should be ashamed of that we don't get. Mm -hmm. Like, like the the even the trees in some mysterious way know God to be so good that they just sing about him. Wow. Which is why I think like C.S. Lewis really was onto something, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. when it came to uh, the Chronicles of Narnia of like, yeah. hey, all of creation is not like this dead lifeless thing. Right. You know, and I don't know how, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I think the yeah. psalmist are onto something when they write about oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. That's so good. But uh, yeah, let's go, go ahead and take us away. want to talk about Psalm 97? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this Psalm is so great because there's, there's really three big categories of thinking about God that pop up in the Psalms. And I think we've mentioned them before, but we have God as creator, God mm -hmm. as king, and God as judge. And I think we'll mm. get into talking about God as judge a little bit 
later um, in this episode. But this one really highlights those first two, God as creator and God as king. And this mm. opening here is the Lord reigns. So this is the king in imagery, right? And it says, let the earth rejoice. So all of creation's mm. response to God's kingship is joy. Mm. And I think that this is just so key because if you read through the Old Testament and really mm -hmm. just like read through history, the response to kings is like God tells them, you get a king, he's going to oppress you. Like that <laughs> yeah. is what is going to happen. And we see that just over and over and over played out in scripture, played out in history is that the reign like so often the reign of a particular king or ruler, it leads to heartbreak, to sadness, to destruction, to mm -hmm. death. And the Bible says that God's reign is a source of joy to mm. people and for all of creation. And so I just think that's such a different picture of a different kind of king. Um, and I yeah. love that we're not just invited to say God reigns. But we get to say God reigns and like respond in joy to the reign That's of right. God. Well, I think what you're talking about is the gospel, mm -hmm. right? And I think that, you know, um, I just, there's so much evidence that we think in our American Western context, we think of the gospel in such strange terms hmm. that, that, are, that would probably be very foreign to the way that the, the ancient uh, writers and audiences were thinking about, right? Mm, yeah. Like when, like for, I'll give you an example. Uh, for like the past ten years, when it comes to certain uh, Christian tribes or circles, mm. you hear the word gospel a lot, right? Gospel centered this, gospel centered that, gospel, right. gospel, gospel, right? And it becomes this kind of buzzword that, like, we use it so much, it almost becomes like devoid of meaning. Mm -hmm. But like. When, when the Bible talks about the good news, it talks about the good news of a kingdom. Hmm. The first time you hear about the gospel in Isaiah, the good news, it's the good news that, that a kingdom will be restored. Right? When you, when you hear Jesus for the very first time talk about the gospel in the book of Matthew, it always says the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, it's so important that we understand the gospel, not just to be, oh, salvation. Because that's actually not the gospel. Hmm. Um, that's a sliver of it, right? right. Like that's a, that's a component of it. It's very necessary. It's maybe even the most necessary part of it. Hmm. But um, the gospel is, is summarized in kingdom language. That, that a new kingdom is here. It's among you. It's the already not yet, which is already here. Not, hasn't come yet in full. It will one day. And that Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And he's the king of the world. And that the mm. world is better off under his lordship than it is under our own. And I, I think mm. that's part of um, what this psalm communicates. It communicates the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and, and one of the things it says about God as the king, this is why it's such good news that God is the king. Like that, that, is, mm. that is the gospel. It says uh, in verse 2, um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Hmm. Okay. Now we have to kind of unpack this a little That's bit. So good. These, these terms, we're used to these terms. Right. Um, but uh, we sometimes kind of misinterpret these terms. So righteousness is the, is the word Zedekah in Hebrew. 
and it means to be in a right relationship. Sometimes we mistake it to mean that like moral purity, mm. right? Which I'm sure there's truth to that. I don't take that away from anybody, but righteousness means to be in a right relationship with the people around you, with your community, right? Mm -hmm. The other side of that coin is justice. Justice means to execute rightness in the way uh, that you treat people, not just in your interpersonal relationships, but right. in communities, uh, governments, um, places of power where you have power. Uh, you are to do the right thing. You are, mm -hmm. and so the word justice is the Hebrew word mishpat, which means um, to give people their due, right? To give people their rights. And this plays out in two different ways. It could be to punish those who need to be punished and, and punish them accordingly, not over punishing them, not under punishing them. Right. And so it's to rectify, but it's also um, to restore. Right? That's where we get the term restorative justice. And it's to give people their due, their rights, like what is owed to them. And, and not right. just in their property, their possessions, but like as image bearers, what are we owed? Right? Um, because we are made in the image of the almighty loving God. Uh, having our image, having his image on us, we are owed some things. And when those things are not given to us, that is unjust. And, and what... The psalmist is saying, this is so important for our time, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. They mm -hmm. are the thing that holds God's throne up. They're the way in which he works with people and, 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 and how he deals with people. That means God is always seeking to be in right relationship with his people. And God is always mm -hmm. seeking to rectify and restore things that need to be rectified and restored among all people's Hmm. Uh, around the world. I love that. It reminds me one of uh, one of my uh, coworkers, one of our fellows here at One Hope Tulsa, Leslie Hill. She's she's awesome. Keep an eye out mm -hmm. for her because um, she's just super an amazing, talented, an amazing musician. And she yeah. just wrote this song called "Let Justice Roll." And mm. a line in the song says, um, "Your throne is built on equity." Mm. and what you said just made me think of it. I was like, oh man, that is so right on. Like that's mm -hmm. the foundation of God's rule is justice. That's right. And you actually see that here. This goes from talking about God as King in Psalm 97 to saying like, um, like everyone rejoices because of your judgments, Lord. Like, mm -hmm. and the Lord protects the lives of the faithful. He rescues them from the power of the wicked be glad. And the fruit of justice is joy. Mm. And I really love, like I've noticed um, recently, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure this has been a theme for a long time and I'm probably just grasping it now, but just been struck by a lot of the, the people who are, who are creators of content or leaders mm. of movements or um, just kind of people working in those spaces of racial mm. justice. I've noticed a lot of also talk about joy. Mm. And I think it, my initial thought is that that it would be unexpected because it feels like work that would kind of drain the life out of you and the hope mm -hmm. out of you. And yet I think there's something about the pursuit of justice that does so naturally lead to joy. Mm. And um, so I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that connection between justice and joy. Yeah, no, I think, yeah justice is often the reason for joy and and like the reason the bible talks about kingship and reign and rule so much 
is because the Bible, God recognizes that, especially in the ancient world, but I think even for today, most of the people that exist are under some kind of unjust rule. Hmm. Yeah. That was just like a fact of life, especially in the ancient world. Right. Um, and well, and to, to jump ahead maybe a little bit to one of the other Psalms we wanted to talk about, Psalm 129, mm -hmm. this is really a Psalm about people in a place of injustice. Like um, right. Psalm 129 begins, like he says, since my youth, they have often attacked me. Let mm. Israel say, since my youth, they have often attacked me. And mm -hmm. this is really a survivor story. Like yep. Israel is being invited like mm. to share her story. And she defines herself not by what she's done, by, but, but by what has happened to her. Like yeah. this is the story of someone who has been through so much trauma. And there's this really powerful image. I mean, again, this is where the poetry of the Psalms is so important. Because there's this image in verse three, plowmen plowed over my back. They made their furrows long. So the image is of a human body and the back is exposed and someone is literally just plowing it. Mm, why do wow. we plow something? We plow something because we want to plant. We want to mm. reap a harvest. We want to produce something. And so what's being envisioned here is humanity being used for production mm. so that this suffering is because I want to get something out of you. And um, it's just like a really haunting um, image. Mm. And I think that God is just so consistently through the Psalms, like telling the truth about oppression. That's right. And um, willing to talk about, the scars that oppression leaves mm -hmm. on us. Um, yeah. Well, and, you know, I think one of the things that that the scriptures are, are, that this is communicating is like, so kind of like I said earlier, most people around the world are under some kind of unjust rule or authority, whether that's mm -hmm. the, the, your, your political leaders, your, your employer, maybe even your spouse, whoever it is. Um, but the Bible, the reason the Bible is talking about this is because it, it, the joy comes from transferring under different leadership. Like, what mm. does it feel like to go from unjust leadership to leadership that treats you like you are an image bearer? It's kind of like mm -hmm. if you've ever, you know, it's like that the end, like the first day of spring. Hmm. And you've just been like, and I, I'm someone who I like, I vehemently hate the cold. Like <laughs> I want to like murder the cold, you know? And, but it's like, but that first day of spring after I've been cold for like three months, uh -huh. oh, there's nothing like it. Right. And, and that's what it's like to go from being under oppression to some degree. That's just an illustration, but from being under oppression to being under a good king. And I'm telling you, like, that is the message of the gospel that, like, you and I don't have to be under unjust rulers. Like, we don't have to be under the unjust powers of darkness that, that seek to destroy us, but that when Jesus saves us, he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness, which is filled with oppression and violence mm. uh, and, and despondency and the worst things you can think of. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And mm -hmm. I love the difference in those phrases. It doesn't say the kingdom wow. of 
beloved darkness. No one like that's not beloved. Right. You know, right. like and this is what these Psalms are communicating that like there is a better king out there and, and his name is Yahweh. Hmm. And if you will place yourself under his rule, you will experience more flourishing than you ever thought possible. Mm, I love that. That's so good. So good. Any yeah. other Psalms you want to talk about as we wrap this yeah. up? Yeah. I want to talk about two kind of back to back. Just want to briefly okay. visit these. So uh, I'll talk about Psalm 136 and 137. I actually mm. taught Psalm 136 to my students here at Koinonia. And then I taught um, Psalm 137 to that same winter retreat that I mentioned earlier. Oh, uh-huh. and um, you went real dark. <laughs> I did. And <laughs> yeah, I think well, it's great. But <laughs> yeah, they're like, are you sure Psalm you want to preach on this? Yeah, they're like, are you sure you want to talk about this? I was like, I promise you. Like your students are going to be helped by this <laughs> and or at least by this passage. So um, in Psalm 136, uh, one of the things you'll, you'll notice about book five in, um, in the Psalms is it seems a lot more joyful and cheerful mm-hmm. than the other books. It, it kind of, because I, I think one of the things that the books, one of the things the books do is they are arranged in such a way that almost is uh, kind of like the pattern of just human life, mm-hmm. like just ups yeah. and downs, right? So like, the, yeah, you know, absolutely. the first Psalm was like, hey, do the right thing and, and things will go well. And then book two is like, everything's going horrible. And then book three is like a mixture of like up and down. And then, then book mm-hmm. four is like, I'm, you know, God, where are you? I don't know what to do. And, but things are looking up, but I don't know where you are. And then book five is like filled with just joy and, and song and praise. And one of the things Psalm 36 does, and this says something about God's character, is um, when, there's, when there's kind of like this very clear repetition in a passage, hmm. it is saying, hey, this is extremely important, right? And in every verse... In Psalm 136, it ends with his faithful love endures forever. Mm. But what this psalm does is it actually helps you nuance the love of God. It helps you to see in, in, in ways you've never seen. So, for example, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Mm. Um, it'll say he alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. It'll talk about creation. And then what it'll do, it'll say he divided the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. You're like, okay, well, he saved the Israelites. That's good. That's, that's part of his love. And then it says, he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. You're like, wait a minute. That, mm, was, an act, that wow. was an act of love. You know, it says uh-huh. he struck down great kings. Well, his faithful love I, endures forever. I, I know this is what you're saying, but I think it's so important to note that destroying oppression is mm-hmm. an act of love, right? That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what it's also saying, I think, with this communicating is that um, God's love is at the forefront of his attributes. Hmm. Like every like I think what this psalm is saying is everything God does is because of his love. Every single thing that there is not an action that God makes Hmm. that is separated from his love for for his people and for his love for the oppressed and, and, and all peoples around the world. Hmm. and um, 
it's just all over. It says he remembered us in our humiliation, his faithful love mm-hmm. endures forever. Yeah. He rescued us from our foes. And then it ends with, he hmm. gives food to every creature. Hmm. I love that. His faithful love endures forever. Like God is so loving. He cares about the animals. He cares about every creature. You're talking about ants, parasites, <laughs> you know, insects, like the deepest creatures that live at the darkest part of the ocean that you're afraid to even just watch a video of that, mm. right? Like he feeds them. That's wow. so beautiful, you know? God is just, he is so kind to all yeah. creatures. It's just like, and he's kind to the creatures that we would like, if we saw it, we would kill it. You know, like, like if we didn't know it, like if you and I were freaking going down to the bottom of the sea, you know, mm-hmm. and we saw this creature, they were like, oh my gosh, like that thing is going to kill us. Like that thing looks horrifying. The Bible <laughs> says God feeds that creature. Wow. That comes straight. And it, and it, it shows you to be thankful. Uh, earlier I was talking with Miriam about like neuroscience and, and theology mm-hmm. and how one of the things that even scientifically is proven to strengthen uh, your relationship with someone is to be thankful for them. Hmm. And, 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 and the way that translates with God is to see every, every good thing of something that he has given to us. And hmm. like neuroscience and theology will show you in the human brain, when you begin to cultivate more thankfulness to God, you will literally actually feel closer to him. Hmm. Like wow. in, a very, in a very literal way. Hmm. And that's what you see in this psalm. You're like, yo, give, he says at the very end, give thanks to the God mm-hmm. of heaven. It, it, he, he's attributing every good thing to God. Hmm. Which is a case for reading and praying and singing the Psalms, even when you're not feeling it when you start. Because That's the right. Psalms, like, because this is the way scripture works, like, it's, it, and the, the way the Psalms work is like the songs form you. So That's they right. actually produce in you what you're saying. Mm hmm. So that I love that. Absolutely. You that out. That's so good. And then, what about Psalm 137? Take us all home. All right. I'm going to end us with, uh, with the pop. Okay. <laughs> so Psalm 137, I kind of give you the context. Psalm 137 is, is uh, it seems very clear at the very beginning, written by Jewish exiles that are survivors right. of uh, the Babylonian invasion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Old Testament, there is a point to where uh, God goes to the Israelites, and the Israelites are oppressing their neighbor. Mm. Um, there's sexual morality. Uh, there's idolatry, and and but I think God highlights most of all idolatry expressed in oppression. That you are harming your neighbor, you're harming the poor, mm-hmm. you're harming pregnant women. Right. You know, Amos says you're ripping their wombs open. Mm-hmm. You know. And so God says, if you continue to do this, I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going to take this shield of protection away from you. And I'm going to let the nation of Babylon come in and enslave you. I'm going to let them do that. Hmm. You know, and the Israelites the whole time are like, no, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Right. And God's like, "Okay." And this Babylonian exile happens. And there are slaves that are taken to, you know, the nation of, or the, the nation in the, the city state of Babylon. And there's one of them who writes this lament. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they miss their home. And, and that's kind of hard for some of us to get because most of us 
have never been exiled outside of our country before, unless you're a refugee in America. You, but mm. most of us who are born here have not experienced that. And so not only is this person, they're, they're exiled from where they believe to be the promised land, but they're exiled from the temple. Mm. The temple was meant, signified the actual presence of God. There was a section in the very kind of like, uh, in a particular section of the temple where God's literal unfiltered presence dwelt. Mm. And the temple was destroyed. Yeah. You know, and so you imagine for thousands of years, these people believed like, hey, this is it. Like this nation, this temple, this is where God is, man. This is this is the place to be. And mm-hmm. now they've been exiled from this. And he says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when mm-hmm. we remembered Zion. There we hung up our lyres on the poplar trees for our captors. There asked us for songs and our tormentors for rejoicing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Mm -hmm. So their oppressors are literally like, hey, sing us a song for entertainment, right? You're talking about like, and to to be a little graphic, you're talking about people who were stripped naked, Hmm. okay? Um, They were stripped, they were stripped. I mean, just imagine uh, an entire society being stripped naked and marched to this nation a lot of them probably had chains and hooks going through their noses. Wow. I mean, you think being chained to someone else's hand is bad. Imagine being chained to someone else's nose, how painful that is, right? And, and, the, and the point was complete humiliation, right? It, it was mm-hmm. not just to capture them, but to humiliate them and take away all their confidence right? and try to strip them of all their dignity. And this is what is happening. And this person is basically communicating Towards the end, God, I want to do to them what they did to us. I want to take their kids and mm-hmm. dash their heads against the rocks. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hurt these people so bad. I want vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in the New Testament, we learn love your enemies, right? And we already know vengeance is the Lord's. We, we learn that in the law, right? But, but what this psalm tells us is that you, however angry you feel at legitimate oppression. Hmm. Even your even the things that you want to do that you shouldn't want to do, you can say that to God. Hmm. You could like if if anything, the Psalms are saying, "Yo, you do not have to cover up for like you can be as real as you want to be. You can be as raw as you want to be with God." Hmm. That's I mean, so good. What, what do you think? What are some of the things you see? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's absolutely huge. Like to know that, like. God understands what they're experiencing and is allowing them to talk about it. And I think to know that God, you know, I I think a lot of times people really struggle with this, um, you know, this last verse here, happy is the one who ceases your infants and dashes them against Mm -hmm. the rocks. It's like, oh, wow. What's, what's that about? Well, first of all, you have to, to understand that part of what we're seeing here is, is kind of like this courtroom language where they're sort Mm -hmm. of giving testimony before God Mm -hmm. and they're saying like, there needs to be a a punishment. And I think we're kind of being invited 
to read this, like you were saying, to read this alongside people who are just truly deeply depressed. Um, not depressed, sorry, oppressed. Well, probably right. as well. Right. Um, and you know, I think this is a this is like people who um don't just <clears throat> pray. God's saying like we're not just a people that praise, like this is really what we've been saying through the whole psalm. We're not just a people who praise about the blessings, we're a people mm-hmm. who pray our anger and For pray sure. our hate and pray our trauma. And I think when you think about how trauma works, um, Diane Langberg says that what heals trauma is talking, tears, and time. Mm. And God is allowing them to talk to him, mm-hmm. to process what's happening, to process how they're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's a really important part of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand that um, it ends, it ends kind of unresolved, right? right. I remember um, listening to something or reading something once um, that was talking about how the blues um, and other forms of, of music that was birthed out of black culture, a lot of times mm-hmm. it will end, um, the song will end and the chord is unresolved. Mm. And it's a way of sitting in the, in the sorrow, sitting in the anger, sitting in the, in that space and saying like, we refuse to resolve this lightly. Mm. And I think that's kind of what Psalm 137 is doing is it's saying we refuse to resolve this lightly. Like we refuse to just say, but praise the Lord as Mm -hmm. though all the harm that has been done doesn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so absolutely. And and I, I would love to end with this. But like, you know, if you're someone who's listening and over the last few years, you have seen particular oppressed people groups get extremely angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, read Psalm 137 and it will tell you why. Right. You, you, you may think what becomes the black sort of like, man, the, man, black people are really angry. It's like, well, we're not mm-hmm. as angry as you might make us out to be, but we're angry because mm-hmm. we've been oppressed. Right. When it mm-hmm. comes to the plight of women, um, you know, they're they're You know, you may encounter someone who is just like sick and tired of the patriarchy and they're just extremely angry. And mm-hmm. but it's like <laughs> what the Psalms teach us is to dig under, like instead of judging that person saying, well, that person's just exaggerating and they're being ridiculous. It's like, well, there's a reason they're, there's a reason they're acting the way they are. And clearly the, the, um, the tenacity that we see, uh, an extremity that we see in this Psalm is coming from a real place. Right. And the Psalm, and, and God's not condoning this. God's not saying, yeah, go ahead and take their kids and kill them. Right. And I think it's important to note too, that, you know, this is being written in a different culture, a different time, different place. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much about this sort of like sadistic, like we're going to take your precious babies and crush them mm-hmm. as it is about that. It's about destroying the children of your enemies so that you end the threat forever. Yeah. Because I mean, we've seen enough Disney movies to know like Hollywood, if you just kill the dad and you leave the children untied, right. what's going to happen? They grow up and they come find you, right? Yep. That's the plot point of Harry Potter. It's yeah. the driving pot of Black Panther. It's the Lion King, right? Right. Um, 
the children of your enemies grow up and they come for you. Yep. So that's what's being said here is like we like there's this desire to see a justice and a, a, a healing and a flourishing that would actually be permanent. And so a lot of times we read when God talks about like wiping people out or things like that. And we feel like, oh, what is this? It's this language that's meant to say God is going to end evil forever. God is going to make that's you right. actually safe in a way that's that right. you have to be kind of looking over your shoulder. So, so just to throw that in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Miriam, we're going to end it right here. Thank you so All much. Right. I've loved going through the Psalms with you. Yes, it's been so good. Everybody go go read the Psalms. Let us know what you find. Yeah, we'd love to hear, you know, if you ever want to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. Um, hey, love if that. you have a random Psalm that you're like, I want to hear you guys talk about this one, you know? Yeah, know. yeah, we might. Yeah, we definitely do that. And uh, next time we'll be talking about Proverbs Ooh. and uh, the nature of wisdom. It's going to be good. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye, friend. Bye.